a new age of combat. Human beings, genetically engineered to be the best fighters in history. Two champions. It isn't over until someone wins. <laughs> At war with each other. Kill it! I have already killed you. Two invincible men. Let's finish it, Alexander. Here and now. The ultimate killing machines. I'm gonna get in this thing, and I'm gonna kick your... And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Chris Honeywell is an internet loudmouth. <laughs> I'm a nerd. Why would I want to watch a movie about jocks? Hated and reviled by his few remaining friends, he catches the attention of Thomas DJ, perhaps the world's most cunning supervillain. Ensconced in his ultra-scientific hideout, with only his robot army and stunning assistant to keep him company, DJ springs into action. What is this? See? Hey, Virginia, use the molecular transmigration beam to bring this fool to me! Virginia trains the hellish mechanism, and with a clap like thunder, and in a blinding psychedelic light, Chris Honeywell stands before his tormentor. Normally, I do not suffer fools, but I see beyond the yawning chasm of ignorance that is your brain and the endless sluice of sewage which is your mouth that they form a basic animal intelligence that I may be able to mold to my own devices. Uh, okay. Therefore, in my mercy, I offer you two choices. Instant painless disintegration or you study grindhouse movies at my feet now! Choose! Uh, I choose not disintegration. So be it. In one month, I shall assign you a movie to watch and will summon you again. Be ready, or the consequences shall be swift and merciless. Right, but how do I get to the. Now go! And thus began one of the most dangerous and unpredictable endeavors in evil sciencing. The Honeywell Experiment! Virginia, summon the subject! Okay, so I guess I'm climbing this time. That's okay, I like jungle gyms. Ah. This is easy. Ah! Climb, little monkey! Ah! 
have to do that well first off we're having real meat today does this mean I get my own robot no uh, I knew it we are here this is a solemn occasion actually it is very <laughs> solemn of times um, you know we've talked about post-apocalyptic films in the past but we never expect to be living in one um but well that's the thing is at least you get me out of the house man yeah i have i have so many different houses i just rotate that's the joy of being a master villain but uh this is this has been a this is a difficult time and we're about a as we record this we're about a month and a week into the lockdown and of course uh, both Chris and I live in what is ground zero for what people, you know, I mean, I'm freely admit. You more so than me, yeah. yeah so you're me actually in so. New York City. I'm just New in New York. York. Yes. Which everybody uh, else thinks is New York City, but yeah. yeah. No, there's a whole lot of New York and a little bit of New York City. And that's part of the problem usually with New York City is that you got a little bit of New York City, but a lot of New Yorkers. Oh yeah, oh there's a lot of cross traffic with New York City with my town. So yeah, yeah. we've we've been we've been drinking from the same well. <laughs> yeah, and, and and the one nice thing is when I go outside into into Queens, uh, I can I can get used to post apocalyptic New York in that it's so quiet. You can hear the birds chirping. <laughs> I I always hear the gonk in the background. The music from. Uh, Dawn of the Dead, the the. I always hear when I go out in public now. But I mean, to be but people believe it or not, this discussion does tie into why we're here. This is a special episode. Uh, because one of the first celebrity victims of this pandemic was a great figure in grindhouse cinema history. Um, Stuart Gordon. So we are going to honor him by talking about one of his films. And in case you haven't figured from the, the clues, uh, we are going to talk about Robot Jocks. Yeah, I, f I figure everybody's talking Human about Reanimator and From Human Beyond. This is this is like his this is like his quirky stepchild sort of right. movie, and I and and I was as also one of my list of shame movies that I haven't seen. Right. So um, the thing the thing about this film was that it was made for Empire Pictures just before Empire Pictures went under, 
Luckily, Robert Band was able to retain the rights, so he was able to release it through Full Moon at the time that he got Full Moon up and running. But I think that it was actually made in 89, but not released until 90 or 91 on direct-to-video. And um, it's pretty wacky. Yeah, I, I, I don't know a lot about the making of this picture, mm-hmm. but I can tell there were budget constraints, right. obviously. It, you know, it, it's Stuart Gordon movie. And he was, you know, he was he was reaching reaching beyond what he'd done before, special effects wise, right? With uh, with budgetary constraints, but I think he was really thinking to himself, toys and franchise. Well, and, there is a there is a sequel to this. Yeah, I've heard. It's made by Gordon called Crash and Burn, with uh, Barbara Crampton. And um, but the th- the thing is, this is. Who doesn't want to see giant robots right. beat each other I, up? Right. I mean, I don't. I don't say toys and franchise in a cynical yeah. sense. I right. say, like some, like if I if I were a filmmaker who could get a movie, I would be sitting around going, why has why what I mean they've done it in other countries, but why aren't we right. doing this? This would this is just a you know I mean Transformers. Yeah. Were very this successful. Is- why isn't there? Why isn't there a transformer? I mean, obviously he couldn't do a Transformers movie, but he could do right. the next best thing. I mean, and basically it's David a proto. On, on salary, David Allen is the stop motion uh, guru behind uh, a lot of stop motion stuff done for Full Moon. Man's passed on, unfortunately, uh, but he did all the robot stuff. Oh, and I've... it's cool. And it's glori- glorious. You know what's what's really super cool about making these giant robots instead of monsters is that the the jerkiness that sometimes comes from stop motion. And I love stop motion. I am a yeah. major Ray Harryhausen fan from yeah. way back. But the the jerkiness you can accept it more in giant machines than you. It kind of helps. It helps exactly, but I mean, like, I had when I before I watched this, I had a really stressful day of work and mm-hmm. was all wound up. Came home and then I had also been at work, to, not told, but I actually requested in order to <laughs> make my following day easier to go in early earlier to work so I'm like I gotta go to bed I have time to like I got a couple hours to I'm like I'm gonna watch robot jocks I'm hope and then the it was almost like putting bomb on me the first second that that first shot of a stop I was just like oh stop motion you don't it's (laughs) it's so it's gone now it's it's a it's it's out of date you know it's it's only gonna be seen and and that's when I it washed over me I I mean I know by the year of the movie it's not gonna have any CGI in it Mm -hmm. but seeing that just was like oh yes this is what's coming they're going to have to do everything with miniatures or or stop motion and it's gonna be just like heaven to my eyes I love especially even crappy stop motion I love it yeah but great stop motion is hell the stop even though it is pathetic 
the stop motion in Star Crash. Yes. Gets my juices flowing. Yes. Yeah. Of course, something else in that film that gets my juices flowing, but um, <laughs> we won't talk about that. We're not talking about that today. Um, but yeah, the, the thing that, that about this film that I love is that it is basic. It's basically a sports film. Yes. And yeah. it's, it's basically it's it's a Rocky style sports film. You know, the old contender uh, thinking he's out of the game engaging with with the next generation and avenge see what what I thought was going to happen in this film and it almost did but then I, I don't know what happened with the in the, the final act was the idea was oh okay I get it she's going to be piloting it but he's going to be doing the text role of coaching her from the from the bunker and they're going to be great together yeah sort of like Pacific Rim yeah, exactly. But what this, ended up happening? By the way, Guillermo, we know you saw this film. Thank oh you. yeah, it, this 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 like this had to had to have some resonance in Pacific Rim. Right. And this this felt to me like a proto Pacific Rim, but with a little. It had a little bit of, but maybe it was a sports movie aspect of it that yeah. made it feel a little Paul Verhoeven-y too. Well, yeah, because the, the all the the propaganda we see in the background for the propaganda and 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 then the, the the sort of you know everybody takes showers together and stuff yeah. like in Verhoeven and movies. The and the kind of strange Japanese paper design of the houses with the weird spaces behind the paper that you have in your house that's just yeah. sort of empty space. That's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I, I can the, see the, the looks like a, the back of a warehouse where you would have a set. It's strange. Yeah. Uh, strange I can des see. design. I love though the working class brothers apartment. Mm -hmm. That that like the set design in that one scene is like next level compared to every. Uh, it's on a smaller scale, and it was a combination of old technology and new technology because mm -hmm. they were poor. And that, like that particular set, I was just eating up every little detail. They had dial phones in there, yeah, and an old refrigerator. But then he had his like hermetically sealed office with his computer right. set up that looks that that I took for granted. But then I go, dude, that looks like somebody's computer set up right now, like exactly like somebody's. That could be somebody's office right oh. now. They got that dead right. It that that set was masterfully done and it communicated so much about the family right it was definitely a blue collar world yeah and I, I appreciate in, in a Blade Runner blue collar like yeah. <laughs> the outside of your door looked like a you know like a vault <laughs> mm -hmm. and then it, and then it looks like a working class apartment inside you know yeah I, I love that scene where he's, you know, it looks like he's going into some secret work thing, you know, mm -hmm. and outside it's just this dystopian bustle and poverty. Right. Then it's like, oh, he's going to visit his brother. That's that's the thing that distinguishes this movie as a Stuart Gordon movie to me. There's you can there's those uh, that that attention to detail and those little mm -hmm. extra layers to it you could tell he was trying to make a more pop 
accessible movie, especially accessible to kids, even though it had some nudity and a little bit of swearing. But yeah. hey, in those days, yeah, that's okay for the for the kids. And uh, yeah, yeah, Anne Marie Johnson gets gets naked, and this was a PG rated film. So yeah, so it was just a butt, you know, just yeah. a butt. Um, what is it with these? Uh, not to just change right. the subject, but I guess it goes with clones and their bodies. What is it with their eyebrows? Were they like, let's just give all the clones some eyebrows? Because there I were a lot of was... big bushy eyebrows in this movie. Yeah, I I, I wonder if there if, if Gordon was trying to make some sort, in addition to two, like a socio economic point. I was wondering if he was also trying to make a point about 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 racial divides. That like the clones were almost like, the, yeah. So the, he had to get, but since they were like multiracial, he had to give them some sort of physical characteristic. So like, yeah. Then so they should have tell that they were uh, what do they call them? Tub- tubies. Tubies, which is a television network, or, yeah. you know, a <laughs> streaming network now. Yeah, they should have called them the brows or something like right. that. Morlocks. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and of course, this film would not be complete without the most obvious villain of all time. Two of the most obvious villains of all time, both indicated by the fact they have outrageously stereotypical accents. Oh my god. <laughs> it's like, Tex, uh, Joe Bob Briggs is telling you to re- reel it in, boy. What's. What's the name of Will Ferrell's comedy buddy there who was... Oh, who was, uh, um, John... I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he... the uh, Alexander reminded me of Ivan Drago mixed with him. <laughs> That's... He wasn't like, you know, he was... He was a he was a, a big fighting Russian, but he was yeah. also kind of kind of doughy and, and doofy around the edges. Mm-hmm. But and then you, we get we get Michael Aldridge's uh, text Conway, Fat Slim Pickens, Fat Slim Pickens, who is oh uh, yeah that I, I could some Pickens going like too much man, <laughs> too much. He's more um, like doughy doughy Pickens. Yes. But, uh, but he was chewing it up. He he realized he knew what role he had, and he embraced yeah. it and chewed it, and and yeah. But it, it it was obvious from like his first frame that he was going to be the 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 turncoat. Yes, <laughs> and I think some people would consider that a flaw, but I don't think he intended it to be a mystery. I don't, yeah, I don't think, like, that's the thing about the plot to this movie is mm-hmm. pretty early on you figure out, really, there's plot in this movie, but you really don't have to pay attention to any of it. It's it's really, and and this is this is a good thing. It's all an excuse for the robots to fight. Right, and, exactly. And that's the failing of most giant things that fight movies, for me personally, mm-hmm. is they feel... And it's like this tradition that's gone on forever, even though everybody in the world knows that, like, an hour and a half of 
uh, an hour and a half movie with an hour of robot fights and it would be just heaven for everybody that right. there's this need to have a plot and even this movie acknowledges it but it makes it so it makes it just so exaggerated and fun and obvious that it's just kind of fun to watch it's kind of fun to see how it plays out in its goofy way but it's almost a wink to like yeah we know it's about climbing into the robot suits and, yes. and the movie delivers on that you know well, it delivers on movie it, it literally is it's a boxing movie yeah, it's an hour and twenty minutes long. It's yeah. it gets in, Thank it gets God. out, and a good chunk of it is concerned with the the robots fighting. I it, my biggest problem with the the first Godzilla American Godzilla not the first American Godzilla movie that was poop. Um, the the first legendary Godzilla movie. Yes. Uh, not not the. Yeah, Roland Eric, you don't like Godzilla. Make a Godzilla movie. Fuck you. Anyway, no. Um, I, I had the same problem with the second American God, the the second the sequel to that one too. I, I still like think the, that, I think the second one has problems, which but the, the first one really had the problem, which was it was it seemed to it be was more all about plot. people. Yeah, it, it was, was all. It, it's like no, we just want to see Godzilla whale on shit. You can like, you can be coy at first. Yes. It's good to be coy at first, but coy through the whole movie is is. I mean, I watched it. It was a solid movie. Yeah. The second movie it annoyed me because I didn't care about the characters at all. As a matter right. of fact, I kind of didn't like them, so I was just like, I don't care if they get stepped on. Let me see yeah. the the monster. <laughs> but uh, no no worries in this in this one. This one this one delivered. Right. This right. one delivered right. more in the the I my expectations for the robot battle when I saw the budget like mm. on the screen of this movie I was like okay, and the time that it was made it's like, and they're definitely you know they definitely couldn't film the monster fights that they could with a bigger budget or right. further in the future, but <laughs> it's Stuart Gordon so he's inventive about it you know he 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 knows his limitations. Right. and works with them and manages to make every fight unique and mm -hmm. and have its own sort of plot arc to mm -hmm. it and it, the 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 one that's was the I love the first one because I was just like why I, I'm like why would you put a bleacher full of crowds in the middle of a of missile shooting robots and then I'm like right. oh they have a they have a roof over their head but come on and yes. then it's like, oh, okay. And then they're like blaming this guy for doing. It. It's like, no, dude, you don't put P. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but I mean, this is this is this owes more to a Toho Godzilla movie than it does to um to the, to these legendary pictures Godzilla movies because it's the Toho had a very simple formula. One. There's a giant monster, and we spend a half an hour talking about maybe there's a giant monster. Two, second act, we see the giant monster, and we spend a half an hour going, the giant monster's fucking everything up. What are we going to do? Three, the giant monster meets another giant monster, and they fuck each other up. The end. 90 minutes. And this is basically one, the robots fight. Two, you know. Yeah, there's 
I mean, there's a plot, but it's just your standard old guy coming in, new guy, tension, yeah. romantic plot, semi-weird romantic plot. And then, like, with, a, with like, a pop layer of Doctor Strange love over it. Okay, it yeah. takes place in the future, so we can have some gags about mm-hmm. what life in the future is like. It, you know, they're, they're, they're battling over Alaska, you know. Yeah. That's, the, that's the stakes of the story is Alaska. And 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 there and like I thought the the referees, being right. like, the law of the land, was very Paul Verhoeven. You know when they yeah. make their there's there's three guys in ju- this whole judge, you know they're 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 set up like judges behind the the bench and stuff, but they all have referee outfits on. Right. And, but none of that. It's just sort. Of, that's all just sort of the coloring, that makes the parts where the robots aren't fighting interesting enough right. to watch and entertaining enough to watch mm-hmm. to get to the robots fighting. And it's a hundred percent, it's way successful at doing that. Right. I mean, it, it doesn't dwell on this, on the soap opera. No. It acknowledges itself as a soap opera, which it is, but it doesn't dwell on it. Like, like some of the legendary films have, uh, particularly the first one, particularly Godzilla King, not Godzilla, uh, was just Godzilla was the first one. Where it was like, I don't care about Elizabeth Olsen and Blandy McLarge-Huge, her her soldier husband. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. There's stock like, character, stock character in their in their plucky daughter, you know. It's yeah. and 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 the little the little kid, you know. It's 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 stock right. it's stock. It's like sub Jurassic Park two characters, you know. Yeah, assembled together, and and I don't care about them. And the movie cared way too much about them, and and not enough about Mothra and Godzilla. Well, no, the second one, I think the 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 balance was a little better, but it was still unbalanced. Yes, yeah, Uh, but the the unbalance of it was frustrating me more because I actively because the characters were actively like not, I didn't care. I didn't. Right. They, they they were they were just sort of not well written. Yeah, and also I think that 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 the tendency of modern modern filmmaking to set up franchises before we they even know if we want a franchise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of sh- shines because it's like, why do we have this evil this evil ter- eco terrorist group? Right, right. We Not got a for giant monster. <laughs> we got several giant monsters. I wanted to see more of. He's called Behemoth, apparently. The, the 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 Sasquatch thing with the with the mammoth tusks. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to see more of him, but. <laughs> No, you've not. You're not listening to Earth Destructive Directive, people. It's just we're <laughs> geeking out about monsters. I'm sure. I'm sure. Although I don't think Luke would like my my boiling down the Godzilla the Godzilla formula. Um, hi, Luke. Uh, but the thing is, he. I think two things we have to keep in mind with Gordon. One, Gordon is a theater guy. And I think he has an attention for creating a world with minimal space, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And secondly, he knows that, guys, we know you're here to see giant robots punch each other in the head. So but, but, he doesn't, he makes sure 
that that middle part where we get, you know, Achilles with a uh, Gary Graham and his pronounced eyebrows meeting Athena, and Athena getting the job and all this stuff. Um, I don't think I don't think a, a scene lasts more than a couple of minutes. No, and if it does, somebody's they're they're fighting. Even physically, just the characters are fighting or something. You know, something yeah. will, something action will happen. There, you know? Yes, there is something to engage your eye. At, and at really, the... in movies like this, other than the robots fighting, usually there isn't much else to do but expository dialogue. You know, right. so. So. I, yeah, and and I mean, they they he sets up interesting. And even the fights are interesting. The fight that he has with with his girlfriend when she comes to give him the the shot to knock him out. Yeah. And it doesn't knock him out for like ten, he's he's able to sort of do a they live fight for yeah ten or fifteen minutes, you know, with her. And and it's interesting. It's interesting to see one character who's drugged fighting another character. That's a, a romantic interest. That's right. And as soon as he kicked her up onto the bed, I'm like, oh, I know where this is going. Right. Somebody's somebody's getting smooched. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's See, an inappropriate smoocher. He smooches them when they're at a disadvantage. Like yeah. she's injured. She could have horrible back injuries, and that and that yeah. robot needs just like let's let's smooch, baby. Right. But he's you know, sure. he's his target audience is probably twelve years old, ten to twelve years old. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did. I gotta say, I found though, though from that moment, when uh, Alexander pummels Athena, a, a little of the enjoyment came out of it because it seemed like, why did we spend so much time with Athena in the first place? If Achilles is just going to go back in the the thing, yeah. It's and, almost like they got extra budget for uh, mm-hmm. the, the the space fight and said, well. We want it to be between these these two main characters have to have it out. So right. we gotta have, we gotta set it up to do that. I would have liked to see her kick ass. I would have liked to see her kick ass a little more. I, I would have. She liked just to... she just got soundly. But it was nicely because remember they had that dialogue earlier where he was. Mm-hmm. She was like, "I will have no fear," and he's like, oh, "Okay, yeah, I remember my you know." And she's like, "I'm a clone. I can't." And there's just one shot of her eyes when. When Alexander gets the first shot in, and she's and you can see fear, and it's just like, mm-hmm. ah, okay, this is this is, this is nice, and and she panics and just gets totally beaten. So narratively, it kind of works, but dramatically, right. you know, really want to, you know, she she like the way they built up her character. You're sort of waiting for her to get some sort of, you know some sort of display of her her quality as a as ostensibly Achilles replacement, you know, someday. Yeah, it was a little weird, but Stuart Stuart Gordon likes to take things in kind of quirky directions too, which also makes it like like I don't know if I if nobody told me it was a Stuart Gordon film and I didn't know I'd go like that was a Stuart Gordon film, but <laughs> knowing who it was, you could see his fingerprints on it. Yeah. Like all over the place. And how this we're introduced to this whole very stylized way of resolving conflicts. And at the end, what does it come down to? Two guys with pipes beating on each other. 
that whole sequence is is just like I was so happy. It, like when it went out, I was just like, yes, they're going out. Okay, now this is it. It's expanded more than I thought it was going to expand. <laughs> and uh, and I gotta say, for the budget, the special effects in this are really good. Oh, they're a little oh, awkward at first, great. but once your eye adjusts to the way it is and to to you know an occasional mat line. Right. Oh, they're they're really nice, and they, there's obviously some like miniatures or some stuff that's not stop motion, but it's mm-hmm. done with slow motion with like a suit or something. That's still, right. it, they do a really good job from that opening shot of across a you know a battered landscape that's sort of like the Terminator, and yeah, and it's and it's obviously like a miniature that they're gonna cut something onto, but it just it looked beautiful. Mm-hmm. It, it totally set the set the. It was it was very theatrical, it was kind kind of fake, but presented in a theatrical way. So mm-hmm. boom, your brain just accepts it as, as that, and on we go. And and he also knows like he has these like sort of bare bones sets that are filmed in a factory right. or something, and he knows to keep sort of the camera in tight and moving around and just keeping you d- distracted and busy. And you don't right, worry the about well on on the, yeah you um, don't worry about it and 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 yeah. and like I remember one second I'd be like that's a factory and like half a second later on strides you know fat slim Pickens with his yeah. ten gallon hat on going ding dangly doodly do and it's like <laughs> oh, that thought's just blasted out of my head you know yeah yeah <laughs> dag nabbit we got a spy. We got us a spy. We got, and of course, it's the American guy. It's not the, like I said. I think there is a definite. He's making some definite comments about race, and about our perceptions of racial, um, for. Yeah, but it's not. It's it's not heavy. It's not dwelled upon or heavy-handed. You know, there isn't a whole subplot about everybody hating the the two bees and stuff. Right. But it's but you pick up on it that people are like, ah, they're you know, they're not real people. Yeah. And uh, also the fact I think that that the it, the conscious choice to make the 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 sacrificial lamb, so to speak, to, to use a, a a James Bond trope name. A uh, Japanese scientist. I think that was very intentional as well. Yeah, yeah, and well, I mean, like, and the, another trope that 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 has gone out of out of things in the last few decades has been the like when we finally get to see the Russian leader, mm-hmm. and, he, and he's just the like right out of like. It's Khrushchev, basically. Khrushchev mixed with Brezhnev, just yeah. just like this fat guy going, "What do you mean, comrade? Blah, blah, blah. You know, you you are failing the mission. Like, you know, you it's... won. You won. Don't do this. You know. That's the other thing that's interesting is that when we see Alexander's superiors, they're kind of reasonable. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, don't beat the crap out of this this this, this lady. 
you've won. We have we have what we want. Yay! Yeah, give us Alaska. <laughs> yeah. And quite frankly, uh, these days you can have Alaska. But. Uh, <laughs> And I love, and I loved how like the battlegrounds were Siberia and Death Valley and right, just all the all the classic places. Just, ju- I mean, this is just at the end of any Cold War remnants and stuff right. like that. Yeah, yeah. The wall had by this point already come down, I think, and uh, we had Gorbachev, if I remember correctly, in the in the Kremlin. And we had, it was it was a very changing time. It was the time when all these spy genre uh, films go. Well, who are we going to make our villain now? Right, right. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. The, 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 I mean, the the end of this, I guess, could be a Glasnost yeah. reference. <laughs> mm-hmm. It seemed just a bit abrupt. I, I was I was yes. hoping oh, yeah. for oh, yeah. yeah. It was it was abrupt, but then again, in that sort of world, I think that's kind of like you know maybe maybe plot like in in the world of competitive people and of the world of Stuart, Stuart Gordon movies right it just kind it just kind of makes sense you and me we are the same hey thumbs up <laughs> and i love how their their hand grips look like those old like video game controllers they even have the RCA cables plugged into them like your your audio outs from your from your video game or your stereo I love it I could just see the special mm-hmm. effect. there was one point actually where he goes to push a button in the somebody I can't remember who it was who goes to push a button and you see all you see the panel where he pushes the button and it's a home stereo console right you can see the words muting <laughs> on it lit up in red just like your your old stereos used to <laughs> and i was just like oh well <laughs> see where the special effects guys got that panel right. i always love it usually it's tv switcher boards that you see on on uh on spaceship and and giant robot panels but this time it was just your regular like kenwood <laughs> amplifier <laughs> but i had i had a i had a riot from from top to bottom with this movie it was it was everything i needed at the time i did not need to think about anything <laughs> besides what which robots going down right and another thing that i loved is his i saw i i noticed on the robots they all had like treads on the back of their legs like the old micronauts toys used to have and i was just like oh man I remember that you could take your micronauts and sort of fold them up sideways and then they would roll like a tank and then he did it at one point yep. I was like yes <laughs> Ch- Chekhov's tank treads that's yes, exactly how's he gonna operate with one foot nope he doesn't have to mm-hmm. it's, it's just it's even though, like I said, there's obviously some themes going on in this film, he never loses sight of the fact that this is supposed to be just the rollicking good time. That this is supposed to be, like I said, I keep thinking, I keep going back to kind of like, not the original Rocky, but what Rocky became. Right, right, right. 
you know, like three and four were Rocky became, three, yeah, yeah, where it just became total comic book. Four, where, yeah, four where it was totally, absolutely. By like four, it just became sort of like Sylvester Stallone's pop springboard <laughs> for the, the 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 Rocky character. You know, he he. That was when Sylvester Stallone was sitting around all alone, going, "Rocky has become more than, <laughs> right, more than the sum of his parts, and more than just a series of movies." Yeah, it, it's so. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact is, this film kind of fell through the cracks because it was made by Empire. Empire went under. It did have a limited theatrical release through Epic Entertainment, and eventually you know it did get, get on video and that's where i think most people saw it um but uh yeah with an with an ad campaign and a real release this mm-hmm. this might have this might have gone somewhere you know there was nothing to compete with it for one and, yeah and to be honest most movies like this you know the, 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 with the formula for the parts that aren't the robots fighting it has mm-hmm. extra care put into it to make it so like so that you don't want to go out and get popcorn during it so it just right. had that extra extra layer of of care put into it that that Stuart Gordon was so good at you know i mean like reanimator would have worked mm-hmm. with like three different layers taken off it you know uh, 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 a, a, a less skillful could have worked with just that material and made it yeah. wildly entertaining, but he just like he just w- doesn't doesn't stop with it. He doesn't like stop adding little details into it. And this one was fun. And and I look at like Reanimator and From Beyond as they're low budget films, but they're sort of condensed. They take place right. in in regular settings that you know that you can just go film in and stuff and all your money is in like sort of makeup special effects right well the th- whereas the thing this about... one take that budget and all of a sudden <clears throat> you have to do fighting robots <clears throat> and you're working with a wider world you know to mm-hmm. to do it so it so it looks lower budget than like reanimator and those looked like higher budget films than they were and this this probably looks like it's a higher budget than it than it was, but it's giant monsters. So like yeah. there's there's a few more cracks showing through, mm-hmm. but it's him aiming higher, right? In a in a production way. So it's really interesting to watch from from that perspective too. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the thing to keep in mind about I've always said about uh, Reanimator was Reanimator was lightning in a bottle. I, I I would dispute your your claim that somebody else could have done the same, taken the same script and done, and done it. Well, I mean, because maybe, I think it, 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 it would have been it would have been a a decent movie, you know, but it wouldn't have been the over the top masterpiece that it is, you know. It's the masterpiece that it is because it was like a, a mm-hmm. you could see actively right. a brilliant mind behind yeah. it and who's 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 getting ahead of the 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 viewer and stuff. Yeah. But even someone who was a little more inept could have taken that material yeah. and but made it, it entertaining. It was just Stuart Gordon on his game. It was the right people. It was Stuart Gordon casting the right people. Oh, the yeah. Right and the time cinematographer, the music. Yes. You know, yes. Everything about it was, yeah. All the elements coming together. 
And I think also it helped that because Stewart was a theatrical director at first, he made his cast rehearse. Yes. And they would go through the script and they would read it and they would figure things out before they actually shot them. Right, yeah, and they, they they would know where things were going, so they could add you know add little touches and stuff. Yeah, it was, yeah. This one, I, I you know, the 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 time and the money probably just couldn't go into the script and the acting as much. Although yeah. it's not bad. Uh, although it's, and, but the script isn't bad, and the the script is cartoony. It's I mean right. it's pure like the dialogue is pure pulp dialogue. It's not realistic <laughs> dialogue by any stretch of the imagination, but that's fine because once you determine that's how it's going to be, if, as long as it fits in its own world, it it fits right. and it does. It, it I don't think this would have fit. I don't think this would have worked trying to be like work realism into <laughs> into this story. You know, yeah. It's, it's sort of, it's sort of like the like a very simple combination of of Transformers and Doctor Strangelove, you know. Mm-hmm. This is one of the the few films of his where there's very little involvement from his usual repertory. Um, Combs has right literally a, a cameo. Um, where was he? At the very beginning, where there. Before the the fight of the first fight between Alexander and Achilles, uh-huh. uh huh. There's that scene with the betting parlor. Oh yeah! Oh yeah, my he, God! He's in there. He's in. He's he's one of the two guys debating about who's going to win. So and his wife is in the film. Has I think that he's a uh, Achilles' sister-in-law. But other than that, there's no other... Uh, we don't see Crampton. We don't see any of the other uh, people who seem to recur in every one of his films. With a higher With a budget, higher... I think the star would have been Jan Michael Vincent. Well, a court... Now, granted, this is, uh, this is apocryphal. I don't think there's any um, establishment. But apparently... They were thinking of casting Jean Claude Van Damme as Achilles. Okay, that makes sense too. Which uh, I don't think that would work, but <laughs> visually, that uh, he's he's got yeah. a little bit of Jean Claude Van Damme. Couple, couple applied scars and yeah. But yeah, that was that was my first thought. Is I was oh, what was that? Um, Jan Michael Vincent helicopter TV show. Airwolf. Airwolf. That's the first thing I you thought was like, Andrew oh, it's Airwolf. Giving, Andrew is giving you really dirty looks through the the Ethernet right now. Yeah, well, what else is new? Get in <laughs> line, Andrew. <laughs> you hit. He's got to shoot him a lot further than than most people. Yes, yes. But uh, he's, you know, this is kind of a, he only did Gordon only did like, to the best of my knowledge, three science fiction type films. This one, uh, Fortress, which maybe we should return to at some point, which is really really good. 
with uh, Christopher Lambert. Ah. Which is a, it's basically, it's a prison picture, but it's it's a future prison picture. Much like, much like Turkey Shoot was. And Space Truckers, which is about Space Truckers. I've heard of Space Truckers. There was another one of his movies that after he died, they were sort of bringing out as a lost masterpiece, and I can't remember the name of it. And it, it was a, it, it sounded like a Scorsese movie. It was like about a woman exploring oh, the sea. What's that? Stuck is what you're thinking of? Yes, the, yes. The, the last film he made, although he was working on the film when he, when he got sick, he was working on uh, with Jeffrey Combs a because they they had done uh, he had directed a stage show with Jeffrey Combs as as Edgar Allan Poe. Oh jeez, how perfect is that? Oh my and god! The thing is, is that it's supposed in the stage engagements, and he gets more and more crazy as the night goes on, and they were going to do a screen adaptation of this but but then he got sick and now he's he's gone um but yeah i think you can find i think you might be able to find on youtube some clips from from that uh from the stage production because they did they did it as a road show but yeah no i mean gordon gordon he doesn't have like the longest CV has a director, uh, but he definitely has the quality to crap ratio is pretty high. Yeah, no, and and, and he has a very intricate like it's it's the career of somebody who is is doing different and interesting kind of movies all the time. <laughs> I sort of I I like. <clears throat> He's maybe he had a little more success than Hen and Lauder. Yeah. But I like to think of him and Hen and Lauder a, a lot alike. That like, they had a time period where they sort of got their a low level of success, mm-hmm. and 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 both were high quality enough that they could still keep putting together like these really low budget productions as right. time went on that were always like still high quality you know still interesting they they were always doing something interesting and different and with with thought put into it you know they they weren't just like ah i like you know i mean uh, and and it's not to criticize the other kind of directors cuz i love those kind of directors too where where they're just like i just like making movies and throw a script at me and i'll do it you know and then okay. they make a hundred. Then they make a hundred and fifty movies. You know, right. some some good, some bad. But they, you know, they're out there doing it. You know, but and Stuart had... Gordon is more of the sort of like yeah. deliberate style of low budget filmmaker. Right. Uh, and he, there were certain things that he, like he kept coming back to Lovecraft. Um, he did after about, you know, after Reanimator from Beyond. He then went on to do what was supposed to be The Shadow over Innsmouth. But something happened, so it, it became... It was, it was simply called The Gone. But it's kind of a loose adaptation of The Shadow over Innsmouth. Relocated um, to 
to Spain, which was produced by his friend Brian Yuzna. Yuzna, Yuzna, Yuzna. No, it's Yuzna. I'm sorry. I get, always get confused with that guy's name. It's all your fault, Yuzna. Anyway, um, he also did. A well, when you consolidate enough power, you can make him change it to whatever you need it to be. Yes. To yes however exactly. you pronounce it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, he also did in 1998 because you know he he did the the screenplay for Honey I Shrunk the Kids and was going to direct it, but then Disney said, ah, that's not Disney enough. I and would have loved to have seen that. He they rewrote it, and uh, Joe Johnson I think directed it ultimately. Uh, he did direct an episode of Honey I Shrunk the Kids as a TV show called Honey Let's Trick or Treat. Uh, but the other thing is, he ended up working for Disney after all, though, in 1998 when he directed a film called The Wonderful Ice Cream Suit, which I have not seen, but I have been told by people who have seen it, is a wonderful Latino-themed, just, it's based on a Ray Bradbury story, it's set in the barrio of Los Angeles, and it's supposedly an amazing film. Oh, I've never heard of that. I've never heard of the I've Ray Bradbury story or anything. Yeah, I never heard of it recently. Um, but yeah, it's basically after after this, most most of his and Fortress, because Fortress actually came out in theaters. But everything else was direct to video, more or less. Um, so you know, Castle Freak, which was a big deal, which is kind of loosely based on my favorite H.P. Lovecraft story, The Outsider. And then he got did these gritty crime dramas in the in the in the aughts. You know, King of the Ants, Edmund, and of course we already talked about Stuck. So, um, yeah, I think those guys find. I think like in the beginning of their career, they thought maybe I'm going to be a big budget guy, and then after a while, they think to themselves, maybe it's not worth it to be a big budget guy. And some of those guys embrace that, like Head and Lauder and. and mm -hmm. Stuart Gordon and then that you know I think that makes it even more appealing because then you know you, you they're they're like seeking out hidden gems it's it's kind of greedy because it's nice for us I would you know it, it would be I'm sure Stuart Gordon would sit there going yeah that's nice I would have still li like to have been <laughs> made 10 million dollars on this movie you know <laughs> I think that his experiences with Disney with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, kind of solidified that he had to, that he had to be an independent. Right. There, there is. I somebody sent me an interview he he did at the time where he talked about how he felt kind of weird in this very corporate environment. Well, and, the, the the thing the the thing is, there's there's those weird filmmakers that can adapt to that, and mm -hmm. there's the ones that can't, and and like. I want to slander the guys who can, but sometimes they're, uh, it's fine. But they're going to make something that's not quite like, you know, Stuart Gordon isn't going to make. Or like the the perfect example is Sam Raimi is, you know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's doing a Disney movie right now. He's doing the new uh, the sequel to Doctor Strange. Yes. But it has, yeah. Which I and, will never see. And. But. <laughs> But I mean, he's done. He he he's done like Spider, and you see, in, yeah. like his Spider-Man movies. You see him, and there's, there's the DNA of. I mean, it's a Sam <laughs> no, Raimi movie, but it's not a, 
un, untethered yeah. <laughs> Sam Raimi movie, like an Evil Dead movie. Yeah, no, especially in 2, in Spider-Man 2, you see there is Evil Dead sloot all over that. Day. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He has, you know, to sli- he has to slip it in there, but it's in there. Yeah, it's like, all over. The Spider-Man day. movies, uh, like, if if I didn't see Sam Raimi's name on the Spider-Man movies, it would only take me five or ten minutes into the movie to be like, I think this is Sam Raimi. <laughs> you <Yeah. know? laughs> but it's... Uh, but, yeah, but the, when he does his corporate stuff, it's it's more tethered and, like... With the Spider-Man stuff, okay, I think they could have gone untethered with that, and sometimes it worked like uh, uh, "Drag Me to Hell," which they sort of put out as like, "Here's a big horror movie," you know, "Here's this big mm-hmm. horror movie with a big budget," and uh, it's but it's going to be the untethered Sam Raimi. And then when I saw it, I'm like, "It's relatively untethered for a," uh, uh, but it was it was there was restraint in it you know he met he he worked within a little more of a of a you know big budget standard movie thing and then put a little more of his evil dead into it but yeah you know i mean full untethered sam raimi is ash versus evil dead you know yeah, with, yeah exactly people and crawling through people's bodies and stuff like that and unfortunately so, we get cor- we, we've had corporate sam raimi before we had the great and powerful oz Oh right, right. I never saw that. I never it saw that. I heard too. I what, what I heard about it made me think that I didn't want to see it. I'm like, it, I've had bad luck with pretty much most of the Oz movies I've seen, except for Return yeah. to Oz. <laughs> Return to Oz is actually a lot of fun. And I love it, Return to Oz. In many ways, it's truer to L. Frank Baum's book. Then it's I I see that's the thing is like when I was a kid, mm-hmm. my my parents found like a collection of the like all the L Frank bomb books and I read them before I even saw, the 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 original Wizard of you know the the MGM Wizard of Oz, and uh, and they have a they have a dark tone to them you know they they're very surreal and dark and creepy which there was a little of that in the MGM one but it, it, it was Return to Oz was like a direct adaptation of one of the books you know like right. I remember reading that book as a kid and I was just like oh my god are they going to have the Gnome King in here this you know they turn people into eggs and then eat them and it's, it's dark and my only problem with the Gnome King sequences is I would have preferred that they remained claymation in that yes. Film. Yes. Um, but the thing is, the the Oz series by L. Frank Baum is in the public domain, so anybody can do anything with that series. But the version we all know and love is owned by MGM. And boy, howdy, does Disney want that so bad? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh boy. They want that, and it's so we get. But they can't do it. They can't do that. So they try to do as much as possible like that. Oh. Well, boycott Disney, folks. We'll see. We'll see when the Coronas get over. Right. Like I have a feeling when the Coronas over, that like the big companies like Disney are going to acquire other 
companies. They Whoever... already have. They, they own like about, I think that somebody estimated they own between 50 to 60 percent of, yeah, of yeah, yeah. entertainment product right now. So Yeah, but, no, I, I mean, I think after this, you know, with the way economic things going a lot, like hmm. the bigger companies that do better are going to take take bites out of the other companies too and it's gonna everything's gonna get a little more conglomerated and uh, no I, I definitely agree that when we come out of this if we come out of this society will be remarkably different I hope so <laughs> I, I don't think it's gonna be for the better though well the, the way I keep it together mm-hmm. in, in 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 this time is I I, re, I I try to realize or <clears throat> I don't know if it's even a realization or a rationalization or whatever but you know there's sort of a met there's sort of a meta going on too mm-hmm. and th- there's gonna be bad bad stuff and good stuff and the good stuff that usually develops out of bad stuff, doesn't right. like bad stuff pops up and happens and good stuff sort of is an undercurrent and and takes time to take hold and to see to see it like happen so like uh you know i mean psychologically whatever comes out of this we might not be seeing like what the mass psychology of it is for years after it's going to be changing and 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 I we think there's going to be a larger level believe it or not, a larger level of paranoia i think that there's going to be a larger well if there were a lot of germaphobes in america yeah. they've doubled the number now yeah. there's going to be people who are just who are going to be putting alcohol on their hands for the rest of their lives now you know and i think that the um this enforced social distancing is not going to go away the the, the day every everything solves right right that we will always be wary of each other now and that's kind of sad but we're not talking about that. We're talking about robots punching each other in the face. Yeah. And I I don't think I have to ask you if you would recommend this film or not. I would I would highly recommend it. I mean, the people who don't like fighting robots movies are not are going to disqualify themselves from the But if you even if I mean, if you even have the slightest taste for fighting <clears throat> robots or giant things fighting each other or just goofy well-told pulp science fiction stories yeah this is this is uh just a goofy pulpy good time this is this is this is a story you read on vacation you know that you whip through in an afternoon sitting it's out a, on the porch in the sun you know and, I'm it, and, it, and it's a phrase that some people would think might be de- reductive of this it's a comic book yeah yeah in the it's best a, way possible it's a, it's a manga is what it is. Yeah. And the thing is, is you carry it along to, to, to the beach or to the park, you read it in an hour, and you have a satisfying experience. And thank God this thing is only in, uh, 85 minutes. Because the biggest problem I have with most films that are made these days is the insistence that they have to be at least two hours. 
No, you don't. You don't need two hours to tell that tale. Exactly. Exactly. Now, granted that there was that was seventy-five minutes, an hour and fifteen minutes, and I thought that was too short. But I do think part of the problems that that I have with a lot of these films that come out now is that if you cut out all the we're, we're setting this up for the next film. Bullshit. Probably we get between an hour to an, an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, I don't understand. It's like <clears throat> if I were making those movies, mm-hmm. all that stuff, the, the setup for the next movies, you know, obviously they're they're emulating Marvel because mm-hmm. Mar- Marvel did it very deftly though with a with a big plan and a lot of money behind them. And the other and, thing about the Marvel about the Marvel plan that most people don't realize is that the way that was set set in motion in, in the first Iron Man film, it was done in a way so that if we never got another Marvel film, didn't matter. We yeah. wouldn't notice. Yeah, did, uh, that's the thing is that, that it was very deftly done, and right. if I and like if I was like thinking that I wanted to make sequels, instead of putting that you know top loading it into the first movie, I would just be saving it in a folder for pre-production for the next movie, and then you have you you're, you're already building the next movie instead of right. like then it, and then you can also change things if you want to you you, you know because I think a lot of the, the setup with this is done as we learned with the Star Wars trilogy recently which wow. was the opposite was with set up without any you know we need to set up some stuff but we don't know where it's going right. well, we'll worry about that later well, but we need set up for the next stuff you don't, have, you don't have a unifying vision yeah, and and, okay. and and when you don't have the unifying yeah. vision, then the people are stuck with the the stuff that they made up for the first movie that yeah. might not have a plan to it, and the well, and, and the same with these ones. You're adding an extra half hour of stuff that nobody wants to watch that should mm-hmm. be the opening half hour of your next movie. You know, and if you have that next, if you get them, if you succeed in making that first movie work and be its own movie then you can get that second movie and people will be excited about it but when when you're being sort of groomed for the next movie right. sometimes it, it, and it's not done well it can be kind of mm-hmm. it can be kind of annoying condescending and boring you know so it's just like uh, you're 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 giving me information that I don't need right now when I should just be getting just what this this movie needs now before i say what i'm about to say I do want to acknowledge. Yes, I am not a. I am not a Star Wars fan. No, I have not seen these films. Um, but it's hard not to through osmosis because it becomes so much of the conversation in our circles. Not to learn about these movies. Right. Right. Okay. So I just want to make that. That I want to state that. The original ca- attention. Correct me if I'm wrong. The original attention was that there were going to be three different directors doing these three films, right? Right. There was there was J.J. Abrams was going to do the first one, and the first one was basically, "Hey, 
remember Star Wars. Get it, get it back on its, get it yes. back on the road and rolling. Yeah, exactly. Just set resetting the world for those for those people who needed it. Ryan Johnson comes along, and Ryan Johnson makes a film that, from what I can understand, is actually truer to the original trilogy than any of the other two, any of the, 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 the three <coughs> films. For that yes. matter, any of the five movies they made, including the, the, the two side quilts. Um, and Ryan Johnson basically builds on that world that J.J. Abrams leaves. But because it's not what the fans wanted, uh, they brought J.J. Abrams back instead of whoever was supposed well, to be well, doing There, There was a combination on, on, that, on, on that third movie because... Well, I think Ryan Johnson just tried to throw some narrative, um, um, some some narrative power into it, make it give it some some narrative heft, and make, you know, put some stakes into it. And so, the argument of whether it's truer to the original ones depends on what what you think of what what the original ones and being true, you know, narratively. The, the being sort of new and and was like, right. but anyway, but okay, no, the, the okay, third the, the third director one. Colin Trevenauer was yeah. another sort of Ryan Johnson like young up and comer yeah. did his movies were kind of innovative and experimental, mm-hmm. but then he made but, that but, movie okay. about the kid that the 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 kid the cancer kid murdering from oh, Beyond yes, the Grave. Oh yes, the book of Henry. Oh my yeah. god. That's I, I I think that had a lot to do with okay. why he was gone okay. and J.J. Abrams was back. Here's the thing. I think... Okay, the first film, Star Wars, I'm not going to call it A New Hope, fuck y'all. Star Wars, which I saw in... Ni- which is one I did see in 1977 when it came out at the RKO Keith. It was... Ne- well, I think that, that Lucas was open to the idea of there being sequels. He told a complete story in case there wasn't. Oh, he, he wanted other sequels. Oh, yeah, no, he wanted he, it, he, but... He, the, his original script was sort of, you know, like, the, well, the narrative, narratively three stories. It was, it was dense and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But, like, he, he had a plan while just post like before Star Wars became a hit but when when mm-hmm. it was when it like probably during the editing phase mm-hmm. they were t- and they had um ideas that 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 went towards Empire Strikes Back but then they if never, did if, it, if, they did split it ended up being a novel but it they ended up writing a storyline that would be low budget that would just mm. sort of happen in the in the would be sort of like Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader stalking each other on a But the forest thing is if, if you and I went to an alternative universe and don't think I'm not having thought about doing that. Um where Star Wars bombed and it gained, gained a cult following but we never got this empire that we that that is cons- this I, I'm not going to call it the Star War the, the Skywalker sagas. Fuck y'all. Um, if it, it didn't become this big money printing machine that it is now, 
I don't think people... It, it would have been looked upon as a complete story. The first Star Wars would have been considered a complete story. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. A nice little adventure story, right? Now, it did very, very well. So, Lucas says, okay, well, I now have a bit of a, of a free check. That's when he starts building the world. Even though there is world building in Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back is really... They know that they have a series at this point. Yeah. And they, they, they took extra effort to deepen and widen the world. Right. Exactly. They created the world in the first one, and they said, we gotta, we gotta have... There was, there was an acknowledgement for the need for novelty. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think uh, Last Jedi was yes, was Dunn. more it, it 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 provided novelty and not just novelty of like we're on a different kind of planet right. now. It was novelty and like this is taking story direction turns that are unexpected and right. and there was there's stuff in it that's like presented in an art house. Right. It's shocking, you know, it's but visually the, the shocking thing, to see in a Star Wars movie. The thing that strikes me about, and the reason why I say Last Jedi seems to me to be, has um, more faithful to the original Star Wars, the 1977 film, which has a, how old was I then? 13-year-old kid I was totally lost in. Is that... The, the message of the, the, the you can boil down star the fir, the first Star Wars into a, basically a one line summary. This nothing kid goes on a great adventure, ain't it cool? Yep. The the this is, kid, Am I wrong with that? Am I am I wrong? A kid from nowhere. A kid from nowhere beats the bad guy. Yes. Yes. From the Turn, back, ends up, from the backwoods. The 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 the. the the bad guy, the, you know, the the war raging, like, actually, basically reaches some some kid in the backwoods who's a hick farmer, right? And then he go he goes off and defeats the the head of the <laughs> bat, you yeah. know, he defeats and I the think bad one guys. Of the reasons that the first Star Wars resonated so hard was that it was easy to project yourself into Luke because he was just a guy. Yeah, well, there was somebody, and if you were older, you could project yourself into a Han, or, yeah. or if you're a girl, there was there was a little bit for there was. Yes, by the was, way, those, and if you were those, a little little kid, about, you could put yourself into R two D two. Yes, you know those people who talk about um, oh, this, the Disney trilogy is all woke and stuff. Um, Princess Leia kicked ass. Okay, she was an action. We all think about. All these guys think all they think about is the gold bikini. They keep forgetting that she was an action star herself. Yeah. No, I okay. remember there, there's there, there's that one scene where they rescue her from her from her cell, and she takes she mm-hmm. takes over from the guys, and that scene was was genre busting at the time. Yeah. But we didn't have. We, the culture war wasn't the same back yeah. then. You know, there were people who might have been like, "I don't like," but that you know, there there wasn't there wasn't people going. There's a push in our culture 
for this and and you know and people would be like oh i'm sure there was someone who watched it and goes like oh what the hell is this glorious steinem in space or whatever but they said you know they said it in the car to their friend on the way home and their friend went huh and that was it you know right and and, uh we don't we didn't have the 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 means to just take our culture and and blast it off each other you know off everybody and through each other like we, we do now. We hadn't built this either or where all the shades of gray had to be taken out. So it's either you're for this or you're against this. And but but the thing about the last Jedi that I understand is that Ryan Johnson establishes that that Daisy Ridley is just some kid. Right. Right. Once again, he, he, he actually like doesn't just establish it. He sort of like emphasizes it. You know, yes. it's like a major theme of the movie. Right. Anybody can be a hero in the Last Jedi, but that wasn't good enough for people. And they also didn't like the fact that, you know, from what I understand, uh, Luke Skywalker was kind of bitter. It but makes total people sense. Change. How? It, 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 that's the thing is, you know, Ryan Johnson. I think I think Ryan Johnson was a Star Wars fan, but he wasn't a Star Wars fanboy. Right. So he loves his Star Wars, but at the same time, and this all comes back to one of the first two True Freaks episodes where Scott Gardner and I tried to plot out what a, a new Star Wars trilogy would do. Mm-hmm. That would be narratively compelling, like that would that, that would that would merit making a trilogy. You know, right. this is a story that needs to be told, and we we could not come up with anything because at the time, mm-hmm. all we were doing was grappling with how we would deal with this. The it was a Skywalker saga. You know, it right. was that that. Well, that's the problem. And, is that it, it, this, and as such, it doesn't. It, there's not much to tell that isn't a rehash. Everybody sort of went through their right. arts, and so Ryan Johnson was going like, "Okay, here's a new person. She's not attached to that, so we can go forward without having to be attached want. to the Skywalkers." Yeah. And and having Luke Skywalker be bitter gives you a starting point. To getting him back to being heroic, and, it and also how you do that, like and, says, and it, you know, it makes it worth him being there, you right. know. And I think it takes the edge off the chosen one narrative, which is something that unfortunately Hollywood has become obsessed with. Well, it also where... it also says it sucks to be chosen one, <laughs> like profoundly. Like Luke Skywalker didn't never was able to like have a family or anything like that, you know, and. And, and he ended up bitter. It, it's it, it doesn't like he 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 saved a lot of lives and he inspired a rebellion and all that. But it kind of sucked for him, and and he tried to you know tried his best. Oh man, we are we are way we are way off. But but we, we might as well because I know that 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 when um Dan, when Andrew and I were talking about this, you wanted to to, to chime in. So I figured I should give you a, a floor for this. Um, that but, was funny because that was that was a classic, that was a classic listening to a podcast moment. Hmm. You know where you're listening to the podcast and you want to and you want to talk to the people, but like, 
I was sitting there in my room recording it go- going, I actually have the option <laughs> yes. to just drop in like the producer and David Letterman and be like, uh, guys, a podcast. I will not guys, say which podcast. Full of shit. It- no, no, I will not say which podcast it is because, you know, because I don't want to hurt. I'm not trying to attack people and hurt people's feelings. But it was a it was it was about something that I'm very knowledgeable about. It was, it was not, not about Star Wars. <laughs> no, it wasn't about Star Wars. Um, it was about some. I won't say what it is about, but they did not get things right at all. And I, I found myself talking back to my tablet, and I eventually sent a message to the person who hosted that show and said, "You know, I'm listening to the, your show on blank, and." you're making me want to scream at the thing yeah has a long time blank and he said thanks i'm like that's not a compliment (laughs) that that wasn't meant to be a compliment (laughs) Uh, but but yeah no it's it's hey it means you're engaged (laughs) you're listening you're listening and paying attention and yeah. engaged with with his podcast, so that's I mean that mu- that's probably what he's after. So, so um, he's he's happy. <laughs> he de- he's not looking for people to find him that agree with him. He's just looking for people that like want to listen to him, even if they get mad at him. <laughs> but if for some reason I woke up and the ghost of Walt Disney was over was over my bed saying you are now in charge of Star Wars after I finished the heart attack and I think, gave me a job oh oh I'd be calling you up and Derek up and I call up a lot of people going hey guess what guess who's in charge of Star Wars but no you know what I would first off the Star Wars universe is supposed to be a universe right so let's tell stories other than stories tied into the Skywalkers. See, they, they, they sort of pretended they were going to attempt to do that, but they didn't really do it. They never did. <laughs> no, everything ties Everything in ties in too much, for, yeah. For such a world that is supposed to be expansive, it is act, everything seems to be actually incestuously involved with this dozen characters. Maybe yeah. one of the reasons why the Mandalorian worked so everybody was so on board with the Mandalorian was because it really. But even then, you got Baby Yoda, right? Baby Yoda's own, the only thing, <clears throat> but he's not a direct tie-in. Whereas mm. he never appeared in the Star Wars movie. And what I like about the Mandalorian is there's some tie-ins in the Mandalorian. They're most they're they're mostly from the animated TV shows, mm-hmm. which are all the, so those tie-ins and those characters that are showing up, are from something original that developed out of the original Star Wars. So it's so it's it's something new, you know. Like I I would argue right now the most popular Star Wars character out there in fan circles is Ahsoka from Clone Wars. Okay. And, and they just brought back that the last season they just are doing the last season of Clone Wars and people right. are excited about her character coming back and she's 
an original character not tied into the movies at all. And that's what they so that's, that's what, what I do, that's though. what I think Star Trek needs to do. They all need to take it ta- oh, disengage okay. themselves from their past and not come up with new new characters. And and those characters, if you make good characters and good stories, mm-hmm. will launch new things. You can't just keep going back to that well. You have to expand right. off the well and then expand off the expansions and well, keep expanding if you want it. to... You know why New Generation worked so well? There wasn't any tight continuity between the two. They were two separate things that happened in a in the same content, continuity. There was... There, yeah, right. They, there was, there, there was there a good amount of time... Issue. What but, what you saw from the last one was what like you saw like how the technology evolved yeah. and they did tie-ins they brought back they found ways to bring back yeah. the character well like they brought I mean Spock could be that old and they just brought back McCoy and like Scotty through a time warp but right. they were they were little things and they were and, side missions though they right. weren't and, the main mission which is what in Discovery it's all it seems to be all about stuff that we know. And I'm sorry, folks, uh, that ain't Star Trek. That's just some Alex Kurtzman bullshit. Right, no, you, 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 you should be on the cutting edge of, mm-hmm. of, of exploration and of the, the um, you know, new, new things that you have to deal with from being in the, you know, in the part of space that's unknown. Right. So, like, you know, and that and that's the problem they they hit with Picard, the Picard series, which was oh. which was good. Ooh. I enjoyed it. It mm-hmm. would have been a good. It would have been good if it was three hours long. It would have been. But, gr- you know, I mean, it would have been. It would have been epically awesome if it was toned down to three hours. But at the same time, it's you know, it's like oh, the remember the Borg, remember Picard. It is. It yeah. it, it, it it is referencing. Uh, a second generation of it and it's it's building off the new characters but it's not it's just sort of like how can we combine Romulans and Borg and this character from you know Deep Space Nine and this character from Voyager and 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 let's torture this guy for saying something let's torture this guy's character for saying something bad yeah, and meanwhile meanwhile though the, the, the the, the main condensed storyline with Picard mm-hmm. is actually sort of the cutting edge of AI and is but is working is, is, is sort of and it's it's sort of a compelling science fiction storyline in the Star Trek vein right. but then it's covered with with all these things that you rec- remember Hugh from you yeah. know he was a Borg from this and this and it and it, it, remember, it I would rather not. I would rather that they w- started working on the AI angle and hmm. moving away from that stuff because we've already covered what the, the, the issues brought up by the Borg and gone through it and then ended it with epic battles and stuff. So, so what, what would come next? What would be the next layer right. of, of conflict? So it's, yeah. it's... Unlike Star Wars, I've actually, I actually have seen more, I think, of Star Trek. Um... I have said I don't like Star Trek, but I respect it. We've we've gotten you know that's the the, the it's it's the it's the your favorite band right. hits it big theory. Once it hits it big, it belongs to 
a wider audience and right. it's going to be influenced differently and it's you know they're, if in reality they're all corporate owned and they're 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 influenced by all the financial and economic right. things that's that's why I love the Stuart Gardens. They they just yeah. go, oh yeah, I'll I'll just say fuck all that bullshit and mm-hmm. I'll scrounge up the money and then we'll work with it. Correct <laughs> me if I'm wrong about this now, because it's been a long time since I've seen any new generation. But Picard was the ultimate diplomat. Yes, almost to a fault. Almost yes. to a fault. It's. But then they have to make movies, and movies have to have action, so they all become action heroes. But putting him into this magnificent Seven-esque bullshit with the Borg and Seven of Nine, who's now just like a stone-cold killer, apparently. Yeah, and none of that really... They are changing the characters to fit what the, the story they want to tell not it's like firefly or something more yeah. it's it's they set it up more like but the the main story with picard and the girl and the and the and the you know planet full of of robots and yeah su, su, sung, su, and not one that's pure female led secret societies <sighs> it's yeah well that that even that that there there's that main storyline with picard which you you could have right. to, told very succinctly in three hours mm-hmm. and it would have been slower paced it would have been you know and it would have been a great like opportunity to show where Picard how Picard goes out you know mm-hmm. and it could have been very touching and stuff but they had to attach seven episodes worth of remember that you know yeah. flash and flash and glitz that if you cut all, right. all that stuff out of the story has no, the secret society of Romulan, all that stuff, the incestuous brother and sister, the right. uh, uh, the the Borg cube, all of it has nothing to do with with that main storyline. And you could have, you could have and made it a nice walk through Picard's past yeah. with a compelling science fiction story that's appropriate to an eighty nine thousand year old actor doing mm-hmm. it, and 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 made like a piece of art out of it but right that's the thing is it's it's gone beyond that it's never it's always been a piece of commercial and endeavor you know from the beginning when you read the old star trek books it's all roddenberry fighting this the sensors and the the network and 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 all that and having to do a third season that was basically kind of garbage compared to the first you know Mm -hmm. it's all it's been baked into the history of it and it's like all once these things hit that mass mass appeal Mm -hmm. then then there's just like this little core that's always going to keep it alive of resonance in it and there's always going to be like kurtzman isn't going to be in charge of star trek forever Someday, maybe Seth MacFarlane will get a hold of it, and we'll make that's stuff. That's the thing is, is even with even with the the body jokes, I get more of a Star Trek vibe from the Orville. The Orville is a hundred percent Star Trek. Like Which when I watch the I, I Orville, the it's like season, not watch the second season yet. But. It's the second season's even better. It's like putting out. It, but the, the the thing is, it does that nostalgia thing where yeah, it's like putting on a familiar, old familiar shoes. Yeah. 
but at the same time the stories are 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 good the stories keep you they 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 like they seem like they're going to be a tribute to old star trek stories but then they take interesting twit that like orville i actually has i think the orville is more successful per episode Mm-hmm. of having a, a compelling story that at the end of it like has made me actually think about something right and not the way that I thought I was going to think about it it'll take a turn or it'll add another layer of nuance mm-hmm. and that's what star trek does when it does best and and I think the orville is basically just Seth MacFarlane going hey look over here <laughs> I can I can, hey guys I, I know what's going on you know yeah. I know I know what you know what makes it tick and then and and he and and the argument of like oh that stuff is boring and nobody wants to see it is he he's proving that wrong no, you know no, no. week it's, by it's, week <laughs> but getting back to the if i if i for some reason became in charge of star star wars or star trek for that matter basically what i would do is i would open i'd open the office up for submissions mm-hmm. reach out to every director I could think of and say pitch it no matter how weird how wonder just pitch it let's see what we get because I would rather find a great director with a great vision and step out of his way than keep force feeding that the fat happy babies that are the fans yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no yeah, it would be approached more. Okay, could you imagine? But that's Alex... hard. But that's the problem: is approaching approaching a Star Wars movie as a piece of art now is like, yeah. even I. I mean, the the Last Jedi, as much as if for anybody who hasn't seen it, isn't full art. I mean, it's a pop, it's a pop popcorn munching mm-hmm. movie visually, and you know, it's 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 a Star Wars movie with art how arty elements in it. But that's the thing: is just those elements of artiness in it have turned into fiery furor mm-hmm. because and it's like and then the last movie which is you know everybody just demonstrably could see that it was just like a mess and, and right. horribly written did not get the fire and fury like okay I was a defender of the last Jedi and a and a, a, a I guess at best apologist for the first one. I enjoyed the first movie immensely in the theater, I no with the first, and I can with, still with, watch uh, it. Force Awakens. I have no problem with that because you were basically trying to right. take these toys that have not been played with for almost twenty years. Yeah, you had a task to do, and right. he did it. And it, and then the second movie en- engaged the hell out of me. The third movie was a disappointment to me, probably in a lot of the same ways that the last Jedi. The people who didn't like the last Jedi, so, mm. but like it didn't fill me. It didn't fill me with the urge to go onto Facebook, yeah, and decry it and rant. It was just like, oh, geez, you know, it's it's your standard corporate mess, you know, and it's just like it's it's the way it went wrong is the way I've seen a thousand superhero and genre movies go wrong over the years and it's just just it's disappointing in a day and age when there's lots of genre stuff that's being made that's like really yeah. well written and 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 conceived and stuff that you think that that 
something like that would be on the highest level of it but it's the real you know you, you have to sometimes you have to wait until the right person gets into the right place and something right. clicks well, you know well, I here's mean, the problem with this franchise as it stands which is that it's trying to appeal to everybody and when you try to appeal to everybody you end up appealing to nobody to nobody and it's it's your favorite ba- it's your favorite band it's right. it's it's like when the grateful dead had a top mtv hit and then there were probably great, you know yes. a, th- a thousand hippie you know 10,000 hippies sitting in sharing a a, a stadium all of a sudden with 10,000 you know high school kids that saw the video and were like grateful dead i like pot and like and we're like oh god you know i'm sure that was and and then and then the grateful dead would have to play the hit song during the concert instead of instead of as much of a 40 minute noodly jam and you know or a 40 minute noodly jam would show up and then those kids from mtv are going like what the hell is this garbage you know mm-hmm. so yeah you're you kind of you're kind of su- screwed by your own success a lot of times very very rarely are you able to like just maintain a top level when you stop at a, start at a top level it's hard to to maintain very few people do it and when they do it they usually do it very right you know like um um George Miller is a perfect right. example. He's not going to make you know he'll what? he'll make he'll make fucking a million Mad Max movies, yeah. but he's not going to make one unless he has something to say, you know, unless it's that certain thing and what will happen with that is 20 years will go by. Right. <laughs> you know, 30 but years you know will go what? by. You can't do it like we want to put out a Star Wars movie yeah. every year. You're you're yeah. you're changing the whole equation right there. Okay, that's another thing I would do is I would not do this every year I do it when we have something worth doing yeah make it a special treat make it something people are waiting for how can you miss something if it's always there right Star Wars I mean there's always that hype because there's always 20 years between right between trilogies and then everybody's like yay it's back and 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 when it's every year it's like all right it's it's I mean, really, for the trilogies, it was every two years, but yeah, you know, th- an extra year of production eh, is is could be really helpful. They're, they're, like they they could have put an extra three years of work into these Star Wars movies, mm-hmm. at, to, and they could they could have spent, th- but no, they didn't because they wanted to, they wanted it was product to them. Right, right. No, they but, but... they had they they spent a lot of money on it and they had to recoup it and they had and to to. You know, to justify had, spending oh yeah. that those billions of dollars, you had to have a bunch of people facing the stockholders saying, "Like, look, we have a plan, <laughs> and but and there's going to be I, Star Wars movies this? pumping out, so don't you guys worry. You know, it's coming rolling back." You know what would have gotten me in the theater? Um, what would George a George Miller Star Wars film be like? It would be fantastic, and George what would Miller. Alex Proyas Star Wars film be like? This is supposed to be an entire universe. Let's explore that. Let's not just get, you know, right. to- totally involved with these little groups of characters. 
Hey, pretty Let's much. Let's go every, out and have fun. Every every movie that we've got has, of all different types is basically set in our universe for the most yeah. part. So you can do that same thing with another universe. Mm -hmm. You could have you could have some weird liquid sky type of movie set in the Star Wars universe. Exactly. It might exactly. not be for everybody, but it, you could set it in the Star Wars universe. It would be equally as bizarre. In, but, imagine Richard a Richard Stanley Star Wars film. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sure. And there's Okay. There's, I love Richard Stanley. You know I do. Um, but the thing is we, we uh, I'm sorry. It's just it's it's not looked upon as a creative thing anymore. It's looked upon as a financial thing. It can only be so creative. There's yeah. only so much creativity you can have involved before people start getting scared when there's finances. Yeah, but that's you know why that. I love low budget filmmaking. Of you course. know, it's it, it takes all that away. You know, I mean, people also, being surprised it, it, by Star Wars getting affected this way should not be surprised at all. You know what you else know? I would do? Is I would I would set up kind of like maybe for for Disney Plus a, a series of TV movies, and I invite anybody to do one, but they had a they would have a strict budget of five hundred thousand dollars. I said you could do whatever you want. I will I will as long as it's not totally off brand. I will I will approve it, but you will only have half a million dollars to make it. Ooh. Because the that, thing is, when you put restrictions on people, they rise to the occasion. Yeah. Yeah, and well, I that's the thing is, I, 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 I am sort of trashing corporate influence on filmmaking, mm -hmm. but I'm also saying it's, there's not, it's not like there isn't a balance between restraint mm -hmm. and total free-for-all that that doesn't work artistic magic sometimes having those co constraints um the, the the considered the best star trek movie by most people star trek 2 the wrath of khan mm -hmm. was exists because they they still made money on the first star trek movie but they right. were like yeah we're not going through that big blockbuster thing again they cut the budget and, and put they it went on a to whole somebody who was outside of their yeah budget. But who's a solid genre person who, the genre who, who guy, could look yeah. at it from the yeah. outside and go like, I understand how this works. This and, is a nautical drama. And, so and I'll go mine the old material for something compelling to bring yeah. into the new one and and write a story. I mean, it's he's the guy who made Time, time After Time and, and he, stuff. He you know, he's my favorite of the Star Wars films, Star Wars 6, The Undiscovered Country. Which is, it's a spy movie. But it's very Star Trek, and that's what I love about it. Anyway, we yeah, are yeah, so, yeah, yeah. No, but we are. I mean, you can tell me that you don't like it, but it's okay. I respect your right to be wrong on that. But what, the, undis <laughs> the undiscovered country. Yes. No, I liked it a lot, actually. Oh, I. I, I yeah. No, you, you. What What happened is you said Star Wars Six, the Undiscovered oh, Country, Star and then my okay, brain was trying to compute that, and then I go, oh, okay, okay, okay. Anyway, we are we are so far afield from. I our thought YouTube. you were making a complex reference joke, and I was. No. I was 
No, I'm sorry. I just made a mistake. We are we are so far afield of our remit on this. Yeah, show. I'd love to know how Stuart Gordon would feel about his uh, uh, discussion of his career careening off into the state of the the two largest genre franchises of all time, probably. Right. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry, Stuart. You deserve better than this, but guys. And Godzilla, we discussed some. So yeah. some Godzilla, yeah. But the thing is, at least Godzilla was kind of adjacent. Yes, yes, because yes, yes, we yes. were talking about giant things beating each other up. And Godzilla is a giant things beating each other up. Well, in a, in a perfect world, we'd be talking about how the Robot Jocks franchise that's been acquired by Disney is going wrong right now. How Robot Jocks Ten. Yes. You know, Robot Jocks in Space is, is just garbage compared to the original <laughs> when they had no budget and had to really work hard. Oh, God, yes. But, I, you know, he's he's going to be missed. And I like the fact that he really didn't make a movie unless he had something to say. He didn't just make a movie to make a movie, you know? Right, right. Um, and I think that comes from his, his theater background, because when he didn't have something to say in a movie, he just did theater. Just did what he wanted to do. And theater is, is I mean, I mean, you know, it's pretentious, but there's a purity of theater, because yeah. it's, 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 it's for the most part, you know, classical theater. We're not talking like the King Kong Broadway show right. or something, but it's minimalist. You know, <laughs> you you do you you're you're using expressions of things to right. to tell a story rather than overtly telling it. So yeah. So, uh, guys. So yes. Um, look up Gordon some because Gordon's done a lot. Uh, he did a very limited number of films, but his ratio is pretty high in terms of quality. Um, in addition to the ones that we've kind of name-checked, I'd also suggest you look at the Pin the Pendulum remake he did with Lance Hendrickson. Totally unaware of that. Yeah, you didn't know? Okay. No. You should see it. It's really kind of cool because, once again, you got a great actor working with a director who likes working with actors. So, but yeah. So, um... What else is going on around the the Two True Freaks potosphere? Um, well, uh, people have been pumping out podcasts. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> well, that's what the we're going to do. The, um, the 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 yeah the the like the 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 number of uh, podcasts coming out lately has been there's been a gigantic uptick. So definitely well, we are if providing you ever more. Ever wanted a Gambit podcast? We're your man. <laughs> I like. I unfortunately, I'm working to... through this this yeah. whole thing, but I've had so many offers by people that I've been waiting to do podcasts for, right? Uh, or, or podcast topics that I've wanted to do mm-hmm. that people are like, "We're starting up a podcast on this. You want to do it?" And it's just like, "Yes, I do want to do it." But <laughs> <laughs> ironically enough, Astoria Storm Warning will not be one of them because. Um, the person that I was going to do that with wants to do it in person. Yeah, that's oh, not that's uh, not, not really doable at this point. <laughs> yes, yes, and uh, uh, but what else is going? 
you could you could theoretically like put them on the put them on your front stoop with a with a laptop with Wi-Fi <laughs> and Skype it through a window or something yeah. if you which would be that would be better as a video podcast though. Yeah. Um but yeah, we're still um we're still planning things. Uh you can also check out with Umbrella Charm and Bowler. Um which I'm going to be recording a new episode of later this week with Scott McGregor. And we are going to be addressing the, among other things, the recent passing of Honor Blackman, who, not from coronavirus, though. Um, and, I know, that's a new, new, new thing we're going to have to add to every time yeah. someone passes in the near future. So, um... And there are, there are other things that are coming. I know that, that I'm already watching, I'm already working on something with Andrew to, to follow up, since everybody seemed to really like that uh, James Bond thing we did. And um, if you would like to, there are other things, if you want to hear me and on about other things, uh, I, I strongly recommend you go over to djsdomicileofdread.blogspot.com. Maybe consider joining the Patreon, because... I promise you this week the first um, commentary will be up there on the Patreon for free. I might make it free for everybody. People need to get in, in on some inappropriate karaoke, too. Oh, yes! Yeah, nobody showed up Friday! God, How does it work? Okay. But... I, was at work, I, I was at work, and I checked my Facebook, and I saw Thomas DJs going live, and I was just like, ah, oh, god damn it. Like, there were, like... They had they had our Bluetooth device over right. in the, it was it was it was they were all in the kitchen listen they were listening to their rap music in the kitchen yeah. and I was like oh man if 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 I had that Bluetooth device well, I could just had, blast this out the <laughs> yeah because I had corn uh, Marilyn Manson um the Offspring Rob Zombie you know I a bunch of white guys with dreads. So, uh, but yeah, no, I've, I've been doing, I'm doing those, these things on Facebook called Inappropriate Karaoke. Uh, I should set up a poll to find out what the next theme will be soon. And I... Yodeling. I, what? Yodeling. Songs of the Yodeling in it. Oh, uh, I don't know if I could do that. But, um, and I do I want to hear some Slim Whitman. <laughs> I do encourage, um... I will do requests, although I request that you do do make a, a slight, a pay what you want, uh, to my Ko-Fi account, which is at ko-ko-fi.com uh, slash Thomas DJ. Um, and there, there's going to be a new commentary, and there's going to be, we've been talking about stuff, um, and next time, now correct me if I'm wrong, Next episode is another special episode. Yes. With your two new best friends. I love those guys. Uh, we are doing a spe special episode, and then we're going back to the normal phasing. Uh, they so... knew they knew who Bongwater was. Yes. They knew, so they're they're they are okay in my book. So join us on June the first when. I let my lab monkey out to play with my friends Jim Moon and, Ter and Jim and Teresa Moon of Hypnagoria, 
and we talk about one of my favorite films, not just a Grindhouse film, but one of my favorite films, The Blood on Satan's Claw. So, um, spoiler, guys, I liked it. Yeah, <laughs> and spoiler, so did I. But then, I just, <laughs> so guys, stay safe, keep track of each other, and until uh, next time, you, my little lab monkey, yes, must yes. go. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan, on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, 
said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.